Canto 18 of The Paradise is transitional, both in the sense of Dante's ascent through the heavens. He's going to move from the heaven of Mars to the heaven of Jupiter during this canto. But also, of course, it's transitional in the sense of the expansion of Dante's perception. Something shifts further in him that enables him to see more of reality which is why he finds himself in the sphere of Jupiter. It's signal right from the start because the canto opens with Dante the poet commenting that after Cacio Aguida's explanation of Dante's fate and Dante's absorbing the virtues that will be required to say yes to it, to hold on to divine life in spite of the terrible things that happened to him, Dante the poet explains that Caccio Aguida contemplates what has been said in one way, whereas Dante is contemplating what's been said in another way. And you get the sense that Caccio Aguida sees a higher unity than Dante is able to see at the moment. Dante the poet explains that he was balancing the bitter with the sweet in the explanation of what was said. He was at work was holding on to the difficult things and the more benign things as if they might kind of cancel each other out and it might be possible to find a way forward. Uh, and that's one way of doing it, trying to hold on to what's good in the midst of what's bad. But Cacio Guida is contemplating things at another level. Remember he's already talked about how divine omniscience is like viewing from a high cliff point whereas in mortal life it feels like we're navigating the river down in the valley beneath, full of contingencies and obstacles and things to calculate and work out. Well, it seems to Dante that Caccio Guida has this higher viewpoint where things come together in a different way, and it's not completely clear to Dante what that higher viewpoint still is. Um, that is very much the transition which he will begin to make in this canto. And Beatrice notices that Dante is still stuck on his balancing out, um, you know, the bitter with the sweet, and says, no, no, contemplate higher things, look at me. And so Dante does, he turns to Beatrice and sees in her eyes a divine light again that he can hardly bear to look at. Um, he realises that in her eyes is reflected the light of the One, of the Divine, where all things do indeed come together, where they hang together with a profound unity. He says so that all his longings ceased when he looked into Beatrice's eyes, just momentarily. He got a glimpse of what he will become capable of. And I think that we get a sense of that perhaps when things come together in life in a way that we wouldn't have anticipated when we were going through the middle of it. Um, there are kinds of suffering that when they are unfolding, when someone is lost to us in a death, it can seem like it will never come to an end, that the pain will never cease, that there can't possibly be a new kind of reality to us after such an experience. And yet, with time, maybe even in moments, it's as if a vertical movement becomes possible to us and 
we maybe just for an instant or then for a longer settled period of time move to a different reality where what we have and what is lost actually comes together and can be held in our hearts so that it becomes a new reality for us and actually in that moment takes us to a new dimension of being where the vicissitudes of time matter not less but they matter in a way because they have transported us to something that's different when we see life more in the round. I think that the arts do this. You know, if you think of a great symphony with its different movements, its different moods, and yet at the end, it feels like we've been told a whole story that comes together into a satisfying whole. And I even think that this dynamic operates in the sciences, in modern physics, for example. One of the key drivers to a deeper physics of reality is the quest for symmetries the quest for links that just seemed impossible before, one of the most famous of which in modern physics is the equality between mass and energy, how in Einstein's physics that was seen to be part and parcel of the same thing, electricity and magnetism is another quite well-known candidate. And these insights take us to new perceptions, which is what Beatrice is inviting Dante to hold out for now and he gets a glimpse of it in her eyes you know she already is for him someone in whom life comes together with its richest and most profound meaning so she's a great guide to him in this moment but she then says to him look it doesn't just happen in me it happens in others here in this heaven turn around and have a look she is inviting him to take his particular glimpse and own it for himself so that he can see this deeper reality for himself around and about. And he makes an attempt to do that and perhaps not unsurprisingly does see something of this at least in Cacio Guida now because he notices that Cacio Guida when he turns back is smiling with an even deeper light. Um, this theme within the paradise that when you've grasped the capacity to look at one level of light you start to see an even more intense light shining through it and so your focus is invited to to move towards that deeper light and Cacio Guida tells Dante that he has one last thing to tell him and what he conveys I think you can put like this the encounter with Cacio Guida has helped Dante to see things at this deeper level. He's moved towards now understanding his own life quite neutrally, just seeing what happens, embracing what happens and realising that the real dynamism actually is at the divine level, the inner level of what's happening, not the surface level of mere events. And Cacio Guida gives to Dante now another way in which in human forms this deeper perception is communicated which is in epic poems so this is poetry like say Virgil's Aeneid like say Homer's Odyssey um, it's the feel you get from reading some of the epic stories in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament um, it's the way that the gospel story can be read as a story that has its tragic moments, its moments of illumination, its joyful moments. But there's something about 
receiving it in the round that gives the deepest truth of the story of Jesus. And similarly too, Dante himself is trying to give us a story that can be read canto by canto, that the details, the characters can be focused on. But ultimately, the aim is to take in the whole story so that its spirit in its unity conveys something of truth to you that enables you to see it from that higher perspective as well as in the details on the ground. But also that enables you to work with it, to make something of it in your own story, in your own life. Um, it can become part of your own capacities for discernment and sight. And Caccio Guida now says to Dante, I'm going to show you some of the characters here in the sphere of Mars who have themselves been part of epic tales. And there are nine individuals in total, in fact, and they include characters from the Hebrew Bible, um, particularly Joshua, who was so central to um, the people of Israel moving into the land of Canaan and taking Jerusalem. Uh, it includes Charlemagne and Roland um, from the earlier part of the medieval period, um, who too became the, the subject of great epic tales. And then it includes characters from Cacio Aguida's own time um, who were involved in the Crusades. And I think the point about these tales um, is, as Cacio Aguida had been encouraging Dante to tell the tale of his life, is to see them in the round. You know, the tale of Joshua's conquest of Canaan um, can be read as one of actual terrible genocide, um, and the falls of the walls of Jerusalem were a terrible incident. Um, but the aim here is just to see things on earth as they happen, and um, this is the higher perspective. It's certainly not to excuse, it's not to hold back from what happened for good and for ill, because the imperative here is to see the deeper symmetries, to see the deeper truths that might come through when you see life in this way. Um, it's what epics can do, it's why you know, we still read Homer's Odyssey, and because we feel it communicates something from the inside of life itself to us by reading of these tales time and time again, and fosters virtues, capacities in us that enable us to embrace life in a different way. So Dante sees darting across um, the cross of the sphere of Mars, these characters, and the final one he sees is Cacio Guida himself, who moves back into the cross from whence he'd come. And of course he, in his story that connects directly to Dante's story, directly personalises this experience for Dante. It means that he can connect it immediately to his own life. Although he's not quite sure what to do with this further revelation now, you know, he's even a poet of great epic, or will become a poet of great epics, of course, um, and he turns to Beatrice once more and says, um, what, what am I supposed to do with this new sight? I can begin to glimpse it, I can begin to understand it. But even as he turns back to Beatrice, she has changed, and she is already leading him into this new sphere of Jupiter. I think this is the way this kind of revelation actually works, that we feel ourselves moving to a threshold, to the cusp of a new perception of things, and wonder how are we going to work this out, what are we going to do about it. But actually, 
if we stay open to the energy of that transformation, it will itself lead us into a new experience given time. It's the operation of grace, would be the more traditional Christian way of putting it, that draws us into a new perception when we allow ourselves to be open to its dynamic. And of course, Dante is supremely open to where Beatrice will take him. And she does so now. Her face changes. Um, Dante describes it as like watching someone who momentarily blushes and then their complexion clears. Um, this is to say that the light around him was moving from the reddish light of Mars to the clearer light of Jupiter. Um, he explains the experience within him was a bit like realising he does have a new capacity inside him. He does have a new virtue. He does have a bit like a human being on Earth who realises that they can move through life expressing more sense of joy and delight or following more clearly the line of beauty through life or, or knowing more distinctly in themselves the sense of what's good and so being able to live their life from that position even whilst life around them may not change very much, they sense that virtue growing inside them and it brings this deep, profound sense of joy. He felt that this was growing with inside him at this moment. And then he also says that he realises that they're in a new heaven because they're moving in a greater arc. Now this is a very lovely detail because it's a greater arc because they're in the sphere of Jupiter, and of course, in terms of um, celestial astronomy, Jupiter moves in a greater arc through the heavens. Um, but of course, this is as much a psychological experience as it is anything physical. And what that greater arc conveys to Dante now is that he has more space. He's in a wider world. Um, he can, if you like, move more broadly through the cosmos. He is gaining more of a perspective from this higher viewpoint. And of course, it also contrasts very much with the descent into hell, where the circles of hell had become smaller and more confined and more trapped as they descended to the, the floor of hell. Um, this psychological experience now for Dante is quite the opposite. As he sees these deeper symmetries, as he's able to tell the story of his own life with a kind of straightforward truth, seeing it all, the experience is quite unexpected. It actually opens him up. It's expansive. His soul grows and enlarges as he's able to tolerate, see, and then embrace, befriend, and receive the grace that moves towards him. And he finds himself in the sphere of Jupiter. And it's worth just saying something about the nature of Jupiter because actually, as C.S. Lewis pointed out in his study of the medieval planets and their meanings, um, Jupiter is one that speaks perhaps least to the modern mind. At least it's become a bit distorted in the way that we understand the spirit of Jupiter. Um, the most obvious way that we still keep it alive is in the word jovial. Um, but it means too much, too much of a kind of light, light jollity. Um, C.S. Lewis pointed out. There's something much more substantial in the medieval understanding of the spirit of Jupiter, and it is to do with this balance, symmetry, deeper perception of things. It has a profound warmth. I think it even has a certain kind of friendship 
everything can be included, everything can be embraced. But at its heart is the old notion of justice. Now, justice in the medieval and in the ancient world was, in fact, precisely the endpoint to which Dante has been moving, which is when all the parts are working in a seamless and beautiful whole, not because they've been conjoled from the outside in, but precisely because their own inner vitality has reached its fullest potential, and that is what brings all the parts into a beautiful, harmonious order. That was the sense of justice. It's, it's why in The Republic, say, Plato can talk about the just soul. Now, at one level, that does mean the soul who can see the world clearly, can see the good, the beautiful and the true and make those kind of discernments. But the reason why the soul can do that is because its different parts, you know, its noose, its mind, its thumos, its passion, its eros, its desire, all the parts that make us up have become fully developed, fully expressed, fully understood and in that fullness the coming together occurs so that's why ancient greek philosophy particularly in plato was about developing ourselves as the fundamental prerequisite to building a just society plato realized that it's very second best to think that justice can be imposed from without which of course is how it's most usually thought of today you know, when you want justice, you go to an external authority like a law court and um, have justice decided. And, you know, it's always some kind of failure. It's never perfect. And certainly in the British justice system, it's why the Queen is said to represent the authority of justice, because in a way she's a symbol of justice that can never quite be realised here on Earth. But she holds the possibility of perfect justice being given in her very person. Well, that's one way of doing it, but Dante here is beginning to realise that actually justice is found within each and every person. That is the divine sense, which is almost impossible to understand from the mundane earthly vantage, which comes through in the second half now of Canto 18. Because Dante has a vision of this divine justice and he calls on the divine muse to help him find the words to express it. It's right at the edge of his perception and understanding. But what he sees, what's given to him, is an image of the lights in Jupiter, in this new sphere, moving around like birds in the sky. They're full of life, they're full of vitality. Um, it looks... A bit like a murmuration, I think, but a light, dazzling, beautiful, angelic murmuration. Also with the difference that rather than the individual spirits being seen to move as if they were one, as if they were kind of regimented or gathered up into an inner dynamic that possessed them, Dante realises that these Jupiter birds are moving because they are in full possession of themselves, they're moving from their own interiority, their own dynamic and understanding without. And yet they form something that makes sense of the whole. And Dante sees this because he realises that as these spirits are moving with this self-possession, they form letters in the sky before him. And he describes it in some details. He, he, he kind of, uh, in the poetry, 
makes us wait to see what letters are going to be formed and then what words will be formed with the letters. Um, but in Latin, it's spelt out eventually in the sky before him, the phrase, love justice, you who judge the earth. And it's the first sentence from the book of the Wisdom of Solomon. And it's a clarion call from the heavens to those on earth, and indeed to Dante now, to hold on to the sense of justice which you have, but feel free to move beyond it, to see whether you can love heavenly justice, desire a higher justice, and so let go of what you thought justice was, to move into this higher perception. To put it another way, Dante sees written before him, quite literally, how, when, the individual soul develops to its fullest extent and harmonises within itself because it said yes fully and completely to life. Those souls work together to produce a coherent yes to life itself, in the words, in this case, in the sphere of Jupiter, love justice, you who judge the earth. But it doesn't stop there, because Dante realises that the final word, which is teram, earth, the final M of that word starts to change and shape and develop all the more. This dynamic is never ending. There's always more to be seen with this heavenly justice. It's never final. And what happens is that if you imagine the middle stroke of the M, it extends upwards. And as it extends upwards, and then the two outer strokes of the M fall downwards, Dante begins to see an eagle appearing, an eagle shape forming. As more and more souls stream down, they cascade down from the highest Imperium to show Dante this vision here in Jupiter. And he sees the Justice Eagle forming before him. And it's tremendous. Um, he doesn't know quite what it means yet here in Canto 18. Uh, he's overwhelmed with the vision of it. He spends a few tercets describing its glory. Um, the sparkling lights, the new quality of this experience of reality here in Jupiter, him being drawn towards it, feeling this new symmetry, this new harmony, this new possibility opening up from within him. But he actually ends the canto by speaking to those who administer justice on earth in a way as the souls had been inviting him to do. And it ends with a very strong condemnation of the Pope. And the commentators think it was Pope John XXII. Because the justice that the Pope, that the Church was delivering, is precisely the opposite of the justice of heaven, even as it delivered it in the name of heaven. And the reason was, was because the papal justice was about cancelling people. It was about cancelling experiences. It's about excommunicating what the church doesn't like. It's precisely the opposite dynamic of trying to embrace and include even the most difficult things in life. And even worse was that these excommunications could be bought with money. It's not just um, a complete failure to see the notion of heavenly justice, which is about bringing in. It's also a perversion and corruption of a presumed idea of justice because it can be bought. And so we're led with a sense at the end of Canto 18 of how justice 
moves from the very lowest point that Dante could see in his time, which is a kind of cancel culture that tries to make pure by excluding, by trying to write out of history, with all the failure that that will lead, because of course that which is excluded, its energy doesn't go anywhere, it just returns, and it perhaps returns in even worse forms. And so that approach to trying to see life and to see its deeper symmetries is very likely to spiral down and down and down and leads to the opposite sense that Dante, here in the sphere of Jupiter, is beginning to come to terms with, beginning to be able to take into his own person, which is that when everything is included, when everything is seen from this higher and higher viewpoint that the very effort of inclusion enables, something starts to appear that he had never previously conceived might be possible, and it springs from his own inner development, his own inner discernment, that becomes more and more harmonious, more and more aligned with the good, the beautiful and the true, precisely because he has said yes to his own particular history, yes to everything that happened in his times, and yes to his humanity. His humanity has expanded in this process, and so he's able to see and know that bit more of divine reality.